Welcome to Freedom Through Truth, a broadcast outreach of Ministries of Wayne Weaver, bringing the freedom of God through the truth of God's Word. In a continuation of the message of last Sunday, I would like to speak on specific tombs that I've identified that the Bible speaks about. And there's four specific ones that I chose to speak on. Three that are more major tombs, but a fourth one as well. And the title of this message will then be called Identifying Tombs. Identifying Tombs. And as I said, based on last Sunday's message, there's been so many people and so many an outpouring and an outcrying of people that have felt they have somewhat, they're somewhat in a tomb or there's something that has been holding them, or they're locked in, or they're locked up, and they cannot come forth and be who they feel that God wants them to be. And so I chose to continue with this message and then identifying some of these tombs. And I hope by the end of the messages or the message today, you will be able to find what tomb that you have been visiting or what tomb has been surrounding your life. I understand in dealing with people, sometimes you come to I deal with people that are so completely hopeless and they've learned somewhat to live with circumstances that are around them. And as a result, God will never be able to free you as long as you content yourself with being inside a certain tomb. And in that, in that certain tomb, you find yourself being... Um, you find yourself being surrounded by darkness and by hopelessness. And in darkness and hopelessness is it is seldom that the Word of God will come to you. And so we want to identify these things. Some of these things can come from uh, being hurt from childhood, can be hurt from being an adult, can be many, many different things that can stumble us. And I want to go back to the verses, or several of the verses that I read in the beginning of the other message last Sunday. And just to kind of reiterate it in our mind, a little bit of the thought in this, in Hosea chapter 11, verse 3, it says, I taught Ephraim also to go, taking, by, taking them by their arms, but they knew not that I had healed them. This was, I believe, the befuddling thing that so many people do not realize, that he spoke specifically to Ephraim here as a secondary one in Israel to begin with, and then Ephraim. And he said that I had set you free, and I had made every provision that you had that you could escape and come at my call, what I was saying. But you knew not that you were free. And as a result of that, you dove back deeper into the idolatry and into the strongholds of where you were. And so what we want to make absolutely clear today is that there has been a full provision that has been done in Jesus, which is the last tomb that I will be speaking about, the tomb of Jesus then. But there has been something completed in the power of Jesus Christ, in the call that Jesus had as being the Savior of the world, that every person that has Jesus in their life has been set free. Now that's just a fact, because Jesus came out of the tomb, you will never tomb him again. Any walls that you build around you can be a lie. Just like the Ephraimites would not believe and would not perceive that they were set free. And then we go to Psalms 107 verse 10. It says, such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and in iron, because they rebelled against the words or voice of God and condemned the counsel of the Most High. 
because God spoke to them in certain ways, perhaps at a certain time, perhaps about certain things. And they did, they did not obey, but they rebelled against it, not necessarily in a really vicious way, perhaps, but simply in disobedience, which is then called rebellion. And as a result of that, it bound them in affliction and in iron. Now, we could identify the difference between affliction and the difference between iron, being bound in affliction or in conflict. You're bound, a person like this is bound in conflict. It just seems that there is constant conflict that they're in. They'll create it or it'll be in their minds. And when they open their mouth, it often conflicts. It's a conflict. And then bound in iron means a place that you cannot uh, dethrone yourself from it or you cannot rip yourself from it. It looks too powerful. It's cold. It is hard. It is miserable, and it is dark, and you can't flee from it. This is what it says in Psalms, because they rebelled against the word of God. Then in Job chapter 12, verse 22, and then I'll start with new verses after this. He discovers deep things out of darkness and bringeth out to light the shadow of death. The Bible says here that God discovers deep things out of darkness. When there is darkness in your life, when there is darkness that... I've heard it already, it's like a cloud hanging over people's heads. Maybe over your own head or over your own spiritual life, it's like a cloud. Out of this, the Bible says, that God will discover, he will look at this and out to light the shadow of death. He will bring to light things that have a shadow of death, things that will doom and gloom your life continually or further and deeper. Now I want to turn and look at the first tomb under this title of identifying tombs. The first tomb we read about is actually in the New Testament. And the New Testament speaks about this as a tomb, and the Old Testament does not, however, it's the same thing. It's found in Jonah chapter 1, verse 3. It says, But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarsus. So he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. We want to notice one thing. Jonah had a burden. That's what the presence of the Lord did. The presence of the Lord will put a burden on your heart. It's not a bad burden. It's a good burden. It's a call. It's a burden to help, the burden to do the work of God. Jonah, it says he fled from the presence of God or from the burden of God. One of the things that you might be able to find that in your own life, if you look at whether you have a burden to help those that are hurting, those that need help, those that need repentance, it's one thing to have a concern for it by way of obligation. It's another thing to have a calling for it by way of a burden. The presence of God will offer that to us. He fled from the burden of God or the presence of God, and he decided to go in a ship. He paid the fare, and he went towards Tarshish. It didn't take very long. It says here, it was obvious, God saw this in Jonah. He saw that he would be the man capable of delivering the message of repentance to Nineveh, but he decided against it, and he set his sail against it, and from there on the wind drove him further away from his calling. Now we notice something here. Notice that he had a burden in the presence of God. This sometimes causes a prison. When you have a burden in the presence of God, and God has been speaking to you about certain things, and you turn your sail, and you set your sail against it, 
And when the wind comes, it drives you away from that. And then the wind really comes. It's another wind that tries to drive you back. This is what happened. In this situation, Jonah, as he went away and fled from the presence of God, the presence of the enemy became present. And what you have is a strong wind that did not drive the ship the right way, but wanted to destroy it. It's interesting as we look at some of these things. In Jonah chapter 1, verse 5, Then the mariners were afraid, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it to them. But Jonah was going down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was, take note, fast asleep. Jonah thought he went from the presence of the Lord, he went from the burden of the Lord, and now he fell asleep. Notice what happens next. So the shipmaster came to him, and he said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? One of the ways to identify the prison of Jonah is if you're a sleeper. What have you been doing? Have you been wandering away from God? Have you been walking away from a calling? Have you been walking away from something that God put his finger on as a burden to do something? And when you do that, you turn into a sleeper. We notice that on this ship, it says that they consulted all the gods of the people that were present on that ship, and they found this man sleeping. He was sleeping in the bottom of the ship, and I'd like to draw parallels between this sleeping of the ship and another one where Jesus was sleeping in the bottom of the ship, and it was also that there were winds, and they woke him up. Anyway, the you look at this, both of them were woke up. This one here is Jonah. It's the prison that Jonah is about to be in. It calls him a sleeper. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise and call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. A sleeper in the sea of life can rock a big boat. And it can bring danger to everybody in that boat. Rocking everybody's boat simply by being a sleeper. Think of it. How can a sleeping man cause so much waves and wind? Because he's running from a calling. He ran from something that God called him to. He ran from something. And I'll tell you what, this is something that's fairly easy to do. When God puts a burden on your heart, and he, some long time ago, I preached the message of going back to where we were, going back to where God first called you, going back where he first placed his burden upon you in the presence of God. We know the story then. They went and cast lots. It fell upon Jonah. They threw him off the boat. The wind ceased immediately. But now Jonah had a problem. But let's identify and take a look at this. Jonah chapter 1 verse 17, it says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And some people in the secular world would say that's not possible. You know, the God I serve and the God you serve, everything's possible. God can make anything and do anything he wants to. I believe in that kind of a God. And if your God does not and cannot do that, then it's not a God worth serving. God can absolutely do anything. My God, the one I believe in, has the power over all things. He can make everything. I believe he created the earth. 
He did all these things. This is my God that I believe in. And so to question whether he could bring a big fish or a big whale or whatever it was in the Mediterranean Sea, it doesn't matter to me, and I don't need to have the reasoning behind it. All I know is the Word says it, and I believe it because there's so much power in the Word of God. Now let's continue on. In, I want to continue with that. It says, Jonah 1, verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Again, there's a three-day, three-night difference here. The same one that Jesus was also a three-day, three-night. Jonah chapter 2, verse 1. And Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. And he said... I. I cried by reason of my infliction. Jonah cried by reason of his affliction. He was afflicted. See, the door was now closed. He was now inside the belly of a big fish. He was in a prison, in, according to the New Testament would call it a prison. And unto the Lord he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I. In the belly of a whale, it was like a belly of hell, is where he cried. And you think, if anything, this would be the place that is God-forsaken. But no, no, not so, because here is where he cried, out of his despair, and this is where God heard him. And thou hearest my voice. Verse 5, the waters compassed me about even to the soul. The soul is the emotion, will, and intellect. It says the waters had a great effect even on that part of his human being, form of hum being a human. It says, And the depth closed me round about, and weeds were wrapped about my head. I would like to go into this and speak more about what is weeds around our head. This is weeds that was, it doesn't say that it was grain, it says it was weeds. It was things, you look at the tares, you look at the weeds. These were things that were wrapped around that the whale or the fish was eating. We hope you've been inspired and changed by today's message. If you wish to listen to today's message or for other audio and video resources from the preaching ministry of Wayne Weaver, please visit ministriesofwayneweaver.com.